Happy Thor's Day, and welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fourth season, we're looking at Kenneth Branagh's 2011 film, Thor. I'm Matthew Fox from TheEthicalPanda.com. And I'm Andy Nelson from The Next Real Film Podcast. And today we're talking about Minute 14, which begins with Thor pouting and ends with him calling his friends to glorious battle. Joining us, as always, this week is Ashley Coffin of the MCU Podcast. Ashley, it's Thor's Day, and so we're going to celebrate a special Thor moment. What is your absolute favorite Thor moment in all the MCU? Oh, it has to be when he comes to um, Wakanda in Mm. Infinity War. I mean, let alone that just being one of my favorite moments of the entire, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe, but that's definitely my favorite with him. And what what is it about that moment that just grabs you so I, much? You know how I am about the action. I like the action mm-hmm. in the way that the score comes in. And I don't know, I guess I was expecting it when I saw it for the first time, but I was really, like, just shocked. And everybody's there and Cap's there. He saves everybody. And then, you know, the Alan Silvestri score bringing it in real high. Mm-hmm. It was just everything I could ever want from any moment yeah. at any time. It, it is a so great, good. great moment for Thor. It's kind of like this episode. Like, thank you for the eye candy that is minute 14. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we will have a lot to talk about today in just one moment. We're big fans of the art for this season. Uh, we love the little Bifrost journey that we're taking there. And... That is an image you can now get on some Marvel Movie Minute-inspired clothing. You can get it on a mug, on a sticker, on on a pillow, whatever you're looking for. You can find it over in our online store. Just head to truestory.fm slash Marvel Movie Minute and click on Merch. All right, so we start with a very pouty Thor having a very pouty moment. He's very good to not stomp his foot, but that seems to be kind of <laughs> what he's going. Uh, and Loki kind of sits down. Thor's saying, like, it's unwise to be in my company right now, brother. And then just immediately talking to Loki now that he's here. It, to me, it gives that moment of, like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it because I'm so upset. And then just talking about it, you know, it, it, it to me is such a, a Thoris teenager moment. <laughs> Wah. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I like. That up, that beginning, like Loki is patronizing Thor and he doesn't even know it. Mm-hmm. All the little things like um, when he says it will come in time, yeah. that little, ah, that, ugh, it's just like Odin's not yet. Mm-hmm. And you can just see Thor turn a little bit more red. <laughs> oh, totally. And it's funny because he says that it was this was to be my day of triumph. And I mean, that's like, I mean, I don't know, triumph to me is like, is he winning something like he's finally winning the crown? It's such a strange mm-hmm. way that he phrases that because I feel like this Thor does see it like he's winning, winning things, mm-hmm. which is particular. And it shows just how sort of self-focused he is, because like you said, what is he ever winning? And if he is winning anything he's winning over Loki. So think about like, you know, because what he's winning is Mm -hmm. Odin officially declaring that Thor, not Loki will be king. So yeah, it it is such a, (laughs) it's such a moment of his blindness in so many different levels there. Because Odin was so vague when they were kids. It's like, one of you will be king. What You Mm -hmm. both can't, but one of you, but he does, he doesn't say it's so funny. That's true. They have such a Jan Marsha relationship. (laughs) Yeah. 
And, and it's interesting, uh, Ashley, that what you see is is Loki patronizing him because what I see is just Loki playing him perfectly. That that just quiet, like it'll come. You know, it, it well, it's a very kind of like reassuring moment, at least as I as I take it. It's a cat and mouse game because he's saying something that would upset him and then immediately taking it back and then pushing it a little bit farther and then being like, but we can't do that at all. No, of course not. But you could. Da, da, da. Just the back. Like it is a, like, I, I don't know, maybe patronizing, not the right word, but it's just kind of, it's a, like a, a game. Yeah. He's just he's fishing. He's putting out, pin it in, pin him out. And it's so easy. <laughs> well, and so let me actually ask you both this because I was going to jump into this later, but now is the perfect time. I watched this movie only after I had seen Avengers. And so I knew already Loki is the one who Thor says, you know, you always lie. You always play tricks on me. You can never be trusted. We haven't established that in this movie yet. For either of you, did you see this movie before Avengers? And if so, was there any doubt in your mind that Loki is playing him 100 percent? Or did, was there, did either of you watch it thinking that Loki might be sincere until later we, we see his heel turn? That's a hard one, because if I hadn't read any comics Mm. in my life, I would go into that, like, you know, virgin eyes to a Marvel movie, which is probably so awesome. But no, I mean, you know, you hear Loki, you know, he's the bad guy. (laughs) Well, and it's funny because I didn't know, like, I I had not ever read the Thor comics. I had read other ones, but never Thor. And so I didn't really know much about Loki other than from, like, the movie The Mask, which was completely, you know, a different different take on on the Loki character. But what so when I watched this film, I didn't really have any sense of any antagonistic relationship between these brothers. And so for me watching it, um, I probably did come into this kind of with a a very fresh eye as far as like his brother potentially there to actually help him. Although maybe I would have been questioning why he was creeping around the pillars so much. And Mm -hmm. and, and that might have led me to be a little more suspicious of him. Yeah. I, I think certainly the, the sense I get is that this is not the first time Loki has seen Thor throw a temper tantrum like this. You know, this <laughs> is maybe the stakes are raised here, but Loki has gotten very good at managing Thor, you know, in that kind of like older sibling, almost parental way that can sometimes be good, but sometimes be mm-hmm. very exploitable. And there's one little moment I caught. I don't know if you all saw it. I don't think I ever caught it until I watch it again this minute. But at uh, moment uh, 14, minute 14, 18 seconds. There's a shot where the the Warriors 3 start to come in, and Loki and Thor are both in the exact same position. They're both sitting with, like, the same pose. Their left arm is just above their left knee. Their elbows are at the same angle. And it, it reminded me of those kind of comics where, or cartoons, where a character is, you know, so sad or so angry, and the other person's going, yes, yes, of course. But in the background, they're totally making fun of them, you know? And just, I, I don't know if it was that, or if Loki was trying to make Thor feel better, or just it was just a random shot. But it, it to me, it really struck me that Loki was in the exact same position as Thor. That's interesting. I, I, I guess I didn't read anything with that other than kind of a symmetry between brothers. Brothers. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's kind of might be how I read it. But uh, but because that's the moment also where Loki notices the Warriors three and Sif come in in, in this the non uh, extended version that we have. And and then he chooses that moment to kind of lean in and be more conspiratorial right. with him. So it, yeah. it, it almost is a moment where it does make them. It, it kind of sets them apart as a pair 
outside of kind of the rest of the group. I love that scene, like how he leans in and, you know, I think you're right and is fanning the flames and kind of describing like their worst fears with the Frost Giants Mm -hmm. and their army and then immediately reminding them that anything he would do would be defying Odin. And like Loki is here to Loki is like acting is top notch here like what yeah. he's doing even not even acting just like the game he's playing with Thor and he's just like I got you <laughs> yeah especially because the way he does that you know your first thought would be well if if you believed in me why didn't you speak up when I was yelling at father about this mm-hmm. but Loki comes off so weak because he comes off as like I, I can't I just need to secretly tell you you know oh but of course we could never go against father it's so fanning Thor's ego because mm-hmm. it's yeah. Loki knows you're right, but Loki's not strong enough to do what's needed. It's just, it's absolutely brilliant manipulation by Loki. And it's, you're almost like, oh, it's so evil, but so like, (laughs) wow. Being able to plant the idea in Thor's head without ever even saying the Mm -hmm. idea. Like he just rolled a D20 for persuasion. Like he nailed it. (laughs) Such a good way to put it. Such a way to put it. Well, and it's, and, and that's again, for somebody who's coming into it, not really knowing that relationship it's done so well that you're not reading that necessarily. And you don't see that right. until you come back and watch it again. And you're like, oh my God, I didn't see how Sneaky. manipulative he was through that scene. It's mm-hmm. just, it's just performed. It's written. Just everything about it is crafted exceptionally. And, and we'll talk about this in a, in a moment, but in the extended scene, they, they come in earlier. I think we actually already talked about yeah, that in the last right, minute. Right. And I think here it's so important that it's the other way around because you know, especially given what we know that some of the other other three, we've seen Sif looking so suspiciously at him. I don't mm-hmm. think he would have gotten away with it. But the way it's he's he's alone with Thor. And then even as they walk in, like you said, he leans in a little more to Thor so that they only realize what's going on when Thor says, like, you know, yes, we must do this, you know, and and, and then Loki says it's madness. And 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 Volstrog is like, oh, madness. That sounds fun. I think it's interesting how he in this time he does act almost smile. And in the deleted scene, he doesn't do that. He mm-hmm. kind of does like a mm, no, oh, no kind of thing. Um, I prefer the deleted scene of him doing that better mm-hmm. to the almost smile because I feel like it gives it away. Yeah. Yeah. He's just right. so like the straight face. Is so and you can just see he's like the inside of his cheek must be bleeding from how hard Ugh, he's biting. Yeah. You know, just to, like <laughs> no wonder he has those beautiful bone structures because he's always like. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so here we get um, our our famous overeating uh, redhead who I've bitterness Ugh. about. You know, he's the one who likes madness. Madness sounds fun. And Sif is immediately looking suspicious. What, what do you kind of and we don't really see Fandral and Hogan in this first shot, although we did in the uh, extended scene. What, what do you think it's these two particularly the ones we're seeing? To your point, I mean. Again, I did they have to have Volstagg making like a, a, a cutting board full of, of breads and cheese? Like that's the first thing he thinks of is is getting himself a like a you know a sandwich. I, I'm just, a charcuterie board can be very healing and a hard oh. board, but yes, I agree that with you. That was a floor sandwich. <laughs> yeah, it's off the floor. Uh yeah. <laughs> but it is interesting to your point. Sif is just standing there staring at this conversation. We don't have a sense of space. It's, she could be hearing everything that's happening, uh, this whole conversation that they're having. We don't know how secretive it is. But it's interesting. I, I find it interesting now just seeing how focused she is on their conversation. Because we saw a moment in the the throne room where she is looking at Loki as Loki's kind of watching just in, in the throne room with the coronation scene. So I feel like the way that she is portrayed here is she seems already 
naturally more suspicious of anything Loki's going to do. It looks like they have history. Yeah. yeah, some hair has already been cut. Some tricks have already been played. <laughs> and she's very protective of Thor. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, and that's that's actually a good point because, uh, I mean, we don't have much of it in this, in this uh, f- film and certainly not up by this point any sense of much of a relationship between Sif and Thor, but she does seem like she has some connection to him. And so to that end, yeah, I think she is being kind of protective. Mm-hmm. And so then we get, you know, uh, he says, "What is, you know, madness, that sounds fun. They explain what's going on. And then Norse Narcissus, I mean, Fran- Fandral <laughs> is the one to start saying, you know, he's like, wait, we, we can't do this, Thor. Uh, you know, and, and he, he calls it Earth, not Midgard. And he talks about the mortals, which is, again, kind of interesting because they're not immortals here, but we know that yeah. everyone sees them as uh, immortal compared to the mortals on Earth. I think it's interesting that he's the one to kind of be a voice of caution here. You know, that he, at least he and the Warriors 3 is a little like, that That sounds like a lot you're talking about here, Thor. Honestly, this felt like a moment where they're like, well, we need to have other people doing stuff. Like, let's, let's, let's throw this line to Fandral. It felt like something that might have been better coming from Sif. And I know, obviously, we have more happening in the extended scene, but it just seemed like an odd uh, I don't know. I guess it, it, it was more surprising that Fandral is saying it than than mm-hmm. Lady Sif, perhaps. But the the <laughs> Earth like, thing is the weirdest thing for me that they're calling that it is Earth. Weird. Yeah. Maybe he was trying to talk to Thor in like terms he would understand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Thor at that point. <laughs> I do also feel we talked before about, especially at this point in the MCU, pretty early, the paucity of like well established female characters in the MCU. And I think so much of what they wanted to establish was that Sif was every much the the warrior that the Warriors 3 were and that she is kind of like headstrong and charged into battle. And so I do think – I think if she had been the one to sort of be a little bit the wet blanket, it, it would have not quite played to what they were going with. Yeah. You know, if she had been the one yeah. to be like, wait, wh- why is Loki suggesting this? You know, if she would come from that angle, yeah. then I could have really understood it. But I, I understand that they don't want to – they don't want to introduce that people are suspicious of of Loki quite this early. Right, mm-hmm. right. They also kind of in this make her to be the one who has a crush on him. Like you kind of see that through the whole beginning. You know, she's always staring, like Googling at him. I mean, you can't blame her. So it does also make sense that even if she thought it was wrong, she would still follow along. Because that's the way that they kind of wrote the character, which I don't completely love because she's such a powerful character. But in this first one, she is kind of just like, Thor, I like you. I'll just do whatever. And again, this this speaks to my frustration, period, with the Warriors 3 and Lady Sif. The fact that they cut out that entire introductory scene where we actually got to get a better sense of who they are as characters that would have helped for moments like this. Because... I mean, we're, you know, we've never seen these three before. The first time we see them is when Thor gets to the, the front of the throne and kneels and he looks up at his buddies and kind of uh, smiles at them. And that's it. And now all of a sudden they're coming in here and this is the, you know, the conversation we have. So it's like, who are these characters? And that's, that's largely my frustration here is I just, I, don't yeah. really have any sense yeah. of who they are or why there should be any importance with these characters. Yeah, they really all seem to be, like you said, like throw a line to someone. You know, they're they're yeah. characters that don't exist because they have their own like characterization. They're they're characters that exist to drive the plot in different in different moments, and it's unfortunate. But I think especially you know for an action movie, at the, for what I would have expected of Thor at the time I saw it, that's very much you know what you did in movies like this. You know, having. Every single background character be well developed like that was not um, 
you know, the bar that I think movies like this were aiming for too often. Well, and I think it speaks to uh, the development of the Warriors 3 over the course of the entire Thor trilogy. By the time they're killed in Ragnarok, it's like, Spoilers. one, it ta- well, yeah, yeah and we're know. jumping ahead. But, <laughs> Who cares? Uh, but yeah, it's like, <laughs> nobody cares. It's like, they walk in, they kill them, it's done. It's like, okay, uh, yeah. say yeah. la vie. I was like, way to go, Hella. <laughs> yeah, it's just... So such a snooze. So it's very frustrating <laughs> that as as characters who are very prominent in the Thor storyline, that they really just weren't given much uh, much time. Uh, but again, to to the point, do we want more of kind of that comedic, uh, always eating Volstagg? And so, th- I mean, that's the balance. Like, how much do you want of these and uh, kind of annoying characters? <laughs> I love that you said that. Yeah. <laughs> Now, do we think there is significance that uh, Fandral calls it Midgard and uh, that he calls it Earth and not Midgard? Is that just like the writers kind of not having a level of consistency or is there there's some thought there? I think it was so we knew what he was talking about mm-hmm. yeah. so that we could start to understand that Midgard meant Earth. Right. What we really needed like... was for him to say, you know, <laughs> um, it's not like a journey to Midgard and then look into the camera, you know, Earth. And then wink at, at the audience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I did love it, though, because I think it's a nice way of establishing that because the way he says it, it, it sounded not that it's like, you know, when we go to Earth and we fight these great battles and that's why it kind of sounds like, you know, a frat boy trip, you know, like, hey, let's go hang out on Midgard where they're, you know, those silly podunk people think we're great. We can do some fun things with thunder and lightning and the worship as gods like it, yeah. it it kind of makes it sound like him and thor and all the rest of them are kind of just like having fun you know and and yeah. enjoying this, all this adulation from these people because you know it's not sort of like honorable heroic it's more just like oh yeah let's go like you know show off to the podunk town yeah like you're having a bad day go to you know norway and start up a thunderstorm everybody's gonna be very happy you know like yeah. oh my god Right. Give you also all the beer you want, you know, all the women you want. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All the virgins. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's some uh, there's some movie about a celebrity. I have no idea what it is now, but he talks about the, the celebrity talks about how I think it's a woman that every now and then when she's really having a bad day, she sort of like goes out and like lets herself be discovered just to like have an ego <laughs> boost of all of her fans going crazy over her. And I, I wish you could remember what it was, but it's very much that <laughs> energy. Yeah. All of them. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right. So any other kind of last things about this particular minute before we wrap up? I just think that in the extended scene, I mean, there were some interesting lines that they do throw out about, you know, mm-hmm. of all the laws of Asgard, this is the one you must not break. And right. I, mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of an interesting point, like the whole idea of going against what Odin says. And, and even Thor might get in trouble for that. And I was wondering there, is the law that you cannot break disobeying Odin or attacking Jotunheim? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't, it's not spelled out very well, is it? Mm-hmm. Like, cause, cause mm-hmm. Thor says, you know, we're going to Jotunheim. And then that's what Sif says. So it's like, yeah, right. what is. Yeah, maybe they're just not even allowed to go there because of the truce or, or treaty or whatever right. the, whatever they signed. Yeah, that hmm. could well be it. It's yeah. interesting. Cause I, that's certainly, I got the, the Odenheim thing, but yeah, but it's also a law of Odin. So you, it's hard to tell. Mm-hmm. One line I think that they also cut out, which made me really sad because I think it's so good is when, Thor says to him, says to Loki, it's not wise to sit next to me right now, brother. And Loki responds, when have I ever been wise? <laughs> right. Uh, Lo- yeah. Loki, sorry. And Loki responds, when have I ever been wise? I just thought that was such a great little, like, he's the god of, like, mischief. Like, wisdom is yeah. all his thing. But it's such a fun little, like, poking fun at himself. But also that 
Thor is so wrapped up in himself, he's not even going to notice right now, you know? Well, and he's poking fun at himself, but also I think that's how a wise person plays you by putting themselves down in a way where you you can believe it so that you so that they can still get away with the stuff that they're playing right. on you, right? Good point. And also it's like why why would why would he do the unwise thing unless he cared for Thor that much? It's a great way of establishing like look, I'm even willing to risk your own temper, brother, because I love you so much and I want to be here with you in this moment. I mean, it's just Everything is done to play into Thor's ego and butter him up in such a good. Just, I just admire Loki. Like I don't want him to be the villain. I want him to be the hero, uh, <laughs> and I want a better TV show about him as the hero. But that's another story entirely for another time. Uh, and then, of course, also there's that line from Volstrag: "If the Frost Giants don't kill you, your father will." Which, which yeah. I also like because even as Odin is getting older, they're all still afraid of him. Like this is not yeah. like. Okay, you know, dad's going to be mad. It's like dad's going to be mad and that that's bad for all of us. Obviously, we have the uh the privilege of knowing where the story's going to go and what's going to happen, but it's interesting how even with these warnings from Loki, from uh Sif, Fandral, Volstagg, all of them except Hogan doesn't say anything for some reason, but all of them give him warnings about what why he shouldn't do this and he does it anyway and they were all right. Like, he really should have listened. It's, it's mm-hmm. interesting how little he listens to anybody at this point in his in his journey. Mm-hmm. Well, and tomorrow we're going to talk about, you know, just how logically he takes on and respects all of their <laughs> arguments and responds to them. <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk about another, uh, another form of manipulation that we'll get into that I, I love the, the way it plays against what Loki did. Uh, but I think that's kind of a good time to wrap up. Any other kind of last comments about what we got in these kind of minutes here? I think that's it. That was a good one. That was another good minute. Yeah. I, I think I, I just got to say, I'm enjoying these especially because it's great when we have like all these different shots and, you know, so much is being established in these first 13 minutes of the movie. But I feel like now we're at the point where we can kind of just live in the mo- in the movie for a bit. You know, here we have a, mo- a minute that's just we're not getting any new scenes. We're not getting any new Asgardian tech or or weather tech back home. We're just getting the characters talking. And I, I'm really enjoying this now. I feel like now we're really like in the movie itself and, and, and full speed ahead. Absolutely. All right. Well, Ashley, I know we've talked so much about what you do on the MCU cast, but you do a lot of other podcasts on Stranded Panda. Talk about some of the other podcasts you show up on from time to time and other places where people can find you. Well, I am on the Star Wars Universe podcast with you. That's, that's And we <laughs> have a lot of fun talking about all things Star Wars. We just finished all the movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did a whole rebirth of all the movies. Yep. Yeah. That's fun. Um, and then we have PandaVision, which rewatches TV shows, which will probably get, be getting ready for The Boys next, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ashley, Ashley was part of great coverage of The Boys and some other stuff. I think, were you, were you part of the Fast and Furious episodes they did? Not in your, not in your life. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but we covered The Stand, if anybody was interested yes, in that. Yes, that was a lot of fun oh. as well. That was a lot of fun as well. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, Vin Diesel is one place where your thirst and mine don't quite line up, so I can understand that. <laughs> I didn't say I wasn't thirsty for him, but those movies can't cover up. Okay. Ugh, I can't. I can't. That's fair. That's fair. They're not for everybody. Well, <laughs> actually, as always, thank you so much for being a part of this. Annie, thank you so much for helping guide this. And to all of our listeners, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, come back tomorrow for our last minute with Ashley, and have a good day. Until next time, true believers. Bye. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is One Last Ride by Martin Puringer. Find the show at truestory.fm, and if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show. Music